Good morning. Our New Testament lesson, just as soon as I find it again, is from Luke chapter 18, verses 18 to 25. If you have your few Bibles, you'll find this on page 76. A certain ruler asked Jesus, Good teacher, what must I do to obtain eternal life? And Jesus replied, Why do you call me good? No one is good except the one God. You know the commandments. Don't commit adultery. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. Then the ruler said, I've kept all these things since I was a boy. When Jesus heard this, he said, There's one more thing. Sell everything you own and distribute the money to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. When he heard these words, the man became sad because he was exceedingly rich. When Jesus saw this, he said, It's very hard for the wealthy to enter God's kingdom. It's easier for a camel to squeeze through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter God's kingdom. My friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, I want to thank you so much for the invitation to be here today. I shared with the adult forum group that this is probably the closest I'll ever get to Harvard. <laughs> Back in the spring of 1967, I applied to Harvard, and the admissions office in its infinite wisdom suggested I might want to look elsewhere. <laughs> and it was the right decision. Herb, I think I'm going to have to retitle my sermon today, however, I'm a potato, <laughs> you're a tomato, or tomato. I have a question for you. How many of you have ever heard of the natural ingredients toothpaste company, Tom's of Maine? Wow, more than I would have anticipated. I had never heard of them before. I was in the drugstore the other day, I needed to buy some things, and, and literally a, mouth, a, a bottle of mouthwash just jumped off the shelf at me made by Tom's of Maine. And I began to read the bottle, and I was intrigued about this company that for more than 25 years has been making socially and environmentally conscious decisions as they do business. And the person who's responsible for all this is Tom Chapel, who is the co-founder of the company, along with his wife, Kate. Almost 30 years ago, Tom Chapel had just finished guiding his business through a period of rapid and aggressive expansion. And he ended up with more money than he knew what to do with. A problem we would all like to have. Rather than experience satisfaction and fulfillment, however, Tom Chapel realized that he was emotionally and spiritually drained. Now, many business leaders Reach, um, having to confront this kind of a situation, might choose to go buy a new yacht and take off on a cruise around the world. Tom Chapel found renewed direction all right, but in a very different way. Instead of taking off for the South Pacific, Tom Chapel took off south on Interstate 95 for Cambridge, Massachusetts. He enrolled here at Harvard Divinity School. 
Three days a week, he would work as CEO of Toms of Maine up in Kennebunk, Maine. The other four days, he was on campus here in Cambridge. And at the end of four years, he had completed Harvard's Master of Divinity degree. And one of the first things he did upon graduation was to go back to Maine and help his board of directors craft a new mission statement and a new business plan that was based on the morals and ethical principles of the Christian faith. So going forward, Toms of Maine made a vow to be committed to all of its stakeholders, to its employees, to its owners, to the vendors, to the consumers, and to the environment. It adopted a plan based on a concept first put forward by theologian Martin Buber that called for the company to create three new partnerships every year to promote the common good. Things like a program to save America's rivers, a community gardening program, and the program that perhaps Beth known for, Dental Health for All. In short, Tom Chappell, Tom Chappell challenged his company to decide what kind of a business it was going to be going forward. Would it be one driven by the almighty dollar or one driven by the almighty? In other words, Tom Chappell asked his board of directors the same question that Joshua has posed to the leaders of the tribes of Israel today in our Hebrew Bible text. It's the very last days of the Israelite leader, Joshua, and he summons the leaders of the 12 tribes together to the ancient city of Shechem, located in the hill country, about 40 miles north of Jerusalem. Here, Joshua demands that the people decide what kind of a community they were going to be now that they had a homeland and homesteads and a mortgage and an SUV and an iPad and three cats and a dog. In other words, they had settled in. And in words that still give me goosebumps today, Joshua asked the Israelites to declare where they will place their allegiance. Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, says Joshua, whether it's the gods of the, your forefathers served beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're now living. But as for me and for my household, we will serve the Lord. Well, we're fortunate. We know the end of this story. In verse 24 of this same chapter from uh, the Gospel uh, from Joshua, um, the Israelite leaders respond, we will serve the Lord our God and him we will obey. But how about you and I? How do we respond to that same question, especially at this time of the year when your pastor gets up in front of you with a big board that says stewardship on it? <laughs> Let's be honest, stewardship is code word for hide your wallet. <laughs> the pastor's coming. See, every fall, we United Methodists, not just here in New England, all over the country, we United Methodists begin to enter into a time of prayer reflection concerning how we are gonna manage our financial assets to support the mission and the ministry of God's kingdom in churches just like Harvard Epworth. And we, you and me, we struggle with how to complete that estimate of giving card. 
And whether we realize it or not, what we're being asked to do is to respond to Joshua's question. Choose for yourself this day who you will serve with all the resources that God has blessed you with. Now, unfortunately, not everybody in the world has Joshua's understanding of what a relationship with God might look like. And so we encounter the other key figure in today's sermon, the rich young ruler from Luke chapter 18. The essence of this parable is also contained in a question. What must I do to obtain or to inherit eternal life? Sounds an awful lot like Joshua's question to the leadership team of the Israelites. So Jesus gives the young man a Facebook quiz on the Ten Commandments, especially the five commandments that deal with human relationships. Honor your parents, don't kill, don't steal, those kind of things. And what does the young man say? Well, I've done all those things since I was a boy. In other words, he's saying, I have been a good Jew. I have followed the law. I have done what the Torah has told me to do. At this point, the young man figures out he has got it made. But Jesus knew otherwise. And that's when he gives the young man some very specific instructions. Uh, just one other thing, Jesus says, wants you to go out and give away everything you possess to the poor. And when you do that, then you can come and follow me. Not sure about you, but I can see the look on the young man's face in my mind. He has gone from joy to despair in 0.2 seconds. You see, Jesus knew that the rich young ruler worshipped his stuff, his possessions, his wealth, more than he loved God. And so the final test, if you will, for this young person was as simple and yet as difficult as it could be. All you have to do is to choose what or who it is that you love the most. Do you love your God or your accumulated assets? Do you love your creator or do you love your stuff? When I do stewardship programs for pastors, I challenge them. If they'll show me their checkbook, I'll tell them who they worship. True for you and I, my friends. But please understand that the rich young ruler in this story is not sinful because he's wealthy. That's not the point. The rich young man is sinful because he has a limited understanding of what it really means to be faithful. He is young in his faith journey. He has not connected all the dots yet. He does not understand that all we have is the gift from God. But I hope you also understand this, my friends. This is not a story about somebody else. This is a story about you and me. Jesus urges each one of us to be rich towards God, but not just on Sunday morning, not just as we pass the collection plate, but every day of the week as we make decisions about how we will use our financial resources. And so, with all due respect to the Hebrew lawgivers, it's really not a question about 10%. In North Carolina, I would have people ask me all the time, Preacher, 
And by the way, in North Carolina, when you become ordained, you lose your first name and you become preacher. Preacher? What should I be tithing on, my gross or my net? Oh, you've heard this one. This is a trick question in North Carolina because they're looking for a way to do neither one. So my answer has always been, I'll take whichever one you want to give me. It's going to be more than what you're doing right now. See, it's not about 10%, my friends. We are called to share all of our resources. It's really about what we do with the 100%. I went down to North Carolina to go to Duke University in 1971 to work on a PhD in military history. I was going to be a history professor and come back to New England. And so I love history and I love to find ways where we can see God at work in history. And so if you're a student of the American Revolution, the name, the Marquis de Lafayette, might have meaning to you. Lafayette was a young, wealthy Frenchman who was so engaged in what was happening in the 13 colonies that in 1778 he came to America and volunteered to serve on General George Washington's staff. After the war was over, he went back to France and he resumed his duty as owner of several estates in the French countryside. Well, in the June of 1783, there was an amazing weather event. In the southern part of Iceland, 130 volcanic craters all erupted at the same time, became known as the Lachy eruptions, and it disrupted the weather patterns all over the world for a good two-year period. Here in New England, it snowed during the month of July. In France, they had a heat wave, and most of the crops were burnt up in the summer of 1783. But miraculously, in Napoleon's part of France, the harvest was good. And so when fall came, his barns were full of wheat. So his farm manager came to him one day, and he said to the Marquis, he says, says, sir, we need the, the, the harvest has been bad in other parts of the world, now is the time for us to sell the grain that we have. Well, Lafayette thought about the profit he could make, but he also thought about the hungry people in the villages that live on his estates. And he said, no, now is not the time to sell. Now is the time to give. And so he gave to the people who lived in his property the food that had been gathered that year. Lafayette had an opportunity to store up treasures for the future, but instead he decided to take his wealth and give it to the poor and to the hungry. That's the kind of generosity that Jesus invited the rich young ruler to be engaged in. That's the kind of generosity that we are invited to be part of today. So, how will you manage your financial assets in the months to come in support of the mission and the ministry of God's work here in this part of God's kingdom called Cambridge, Massachusetts. Will you complete an estimate of giving card that demonstrates a faithful commitment to serve God? Will this be the day you decide to treat Harvard Epworth United Methodist Church in your estate plans as well as you treat your grandchildren? Will this be the day you decide to designate a part of your pension plan to go to fund the ministry at Camp Aldersgate down in Rhode Island when you pass away.
as you consider what commitments you will make, know that you'll be facing the very same challenge that confronted the people of Israel and the rich young ruler. You'll be invited to choose this day whom you will serve. So is this the moment when you decide to serve the divine creator or serve the almighty dollar? It's just a time when in all the hustling and bustling of life, you begin to reflect the priorities that God has blessed you with in the first place? Or is making a living going to get in the way of serving a living maker? That, my friends, is the Joshua challenge for us all. Amen. Thank you, Jim. Let us uh, now stand, if you're able, and join on page 2237 of the Faith We Sing hymnal. Join together and as a fire is meant for burning.